Welcome to episode number 36 of The Student Manager. It's Michael Fong, other known as Fonger News, bringing you The Student Manager podcast, remote from my house in Newport Beach. And I have a great guest on the other line, but before we tee him up again, remember the goal and objective is to educate and help high school students and parents with the college search and admission process. And why not have a college counselor from, get this, from Niche, those of you that are into rankings, the number two private Catholic school in the nation out of Morristown, New Jersey. He's been there for 20 years at Del Barton School in Morristown, 14 years as a college counselor. My guest, Sean Flanagan. What's up, Flan? Flanagan, how are you? I am doing great. The question to you is, obviously, you're in New York, the East Coast. How are you doing the impact of COVID-19 the coronavirus just in that hot bed out there of New York. Tell my audience and listeners out here in the West Coast, where it's 80 degrees, by the way, right now, killing Corona. How has it been for you and your school, the family? Uh, it's been pretty crazy, actually. Uh, the last few months in, in the tri-state area has been uh, unprecedented, I should say. Um, New York being the, the epicenter of this in the whole world, and, and uh, I think New Jersey is the is the second highest uh, corona cases in the in the country so uh that's definitely been crazy it's been uh, a little unnerving scary no one really knows quite what's going on it seems like this thing's changing on a uh, weekly daily basis but uh we're doing okay we're hunkered down here in in uh, in the house we've been on, on lockdown i'm with my wife and and three kids i have one in college and two in high school so everyone's home and and uh safe and we're doing okay. We've, we've gotten a, a couple of nice family dinners and, and board games and movies and all that. So that's kind of been our, our silver lining. And I feel you because I have my college daughter uh, from UW doing remote and then my eighth grader and then my senior. And, and we don't need to talk about our families. There's 57 million school kids out there doing distance learning. Uh, you're at Del Barton. How has it been at Del Barton? I mean, your clientele, your, your parents are, are typically the higher end. Uh, technology, right, is probably uh, playing a big part of it. But think about some of these 57 million. They don't even have Internet. Their technology's hard. So this whole distance learning, how are you guys doing at Del Barton? Yeah, it's been, uh, you know, I think we've been we're learning on the fly uh, with it when we when we first started out. So we were. Uh, we were on spring break the first two weeks of March and um, when this whole thing hit. And so I think we were supposed to go back on the 16th, maybe right around the 16th of March. And uh, we got pushed back a couple of weeks. Everything started going and uh, we, we hadn't we didn't start online learning uh, after about two weeks. And it realized uh, our headmaster administration realized that we were not going to be going back. Uh, we ramped up the online learning uh, portion of the distance learning and, and ran it out. Um, you're correct that, you know, our, our clientele, our students and families, uh, almost all of them have a uh, technology at home, laptop, everyone at, at Del Barton, even those that might not have had one coming to school, um, have a laptop uh, at Del Barton. So everyone, everyone has that access, but, um, it, it wasn't without its bumps, Fonger. The, the first, the first couple of days were a little rocky. Everyone, you know, even though we had the capability and the technology to do it, uh, this was all brand new to everyone. And I mean, the administration, the teachers, the students, the families, everyone. So uh, right. the first couple, first couple of days were, were pretty rough. 
Um, mm-hmm. We uh, we ran out a survey um, smartly from the headmaster. He he ran out a, a survey to everyone, to the teachers, to the parents, and the uh, and the students, and we got a tremendous amount of feedback. And and based off of that, we tailored our program. So ever ever since we did that it, it's really kind of calmed down and, and fallen into a honey spot there and, and everything's everything's going smoothly now let me ask you a question the last time i think schools shut down in the new york brooklyn area the following years the test scores went down what's your take do you see that happening either a at del barton or just nationwide you know that seems to be the million dollar question out there that we're we're fielding with uh, our our junior parents, our sophomore parents, and also our students. Um, there's so much uncertainty now with the with the college board and the ACT, with even what's going to happen with testing. You know, we're talking about that now. You know, we can we can look at testing kind of academically from from uh, um, just a scholastic point and what's going to happen in terms of of right. school testing and all that. You know, at, at Del Barton, I don't, I don't see there being a huge dip. Uh, we're we've been, we're blessed with, you know, super high end students there, and these boys are, are willing to go above and beyond and, and do their thing. So, uh, academically, we, it's it's not it's never really our challenge to to motivate these boys to work in the study. They, they're they're uh, they're they're self motivated for sure. Um, but you know, I, I I do think the testing piece. Uh, across the board in the nation, that's going to be a, a, a very interesting uh, scenario, how that all plays out. And, and I don't even think that's going to be just next year. It could be could be multiple years. Right, right. How do you see that playing out? Let's say, okay, so we already know June SATs are postponed. Okay. Yes. So, and, and they're piloting, right? We might have in the late fall, early winter, um, some testing options at home. How do you see that? How do you see the flexible schedule? But more importantly, I look at now, are colleges just going to go off of grades? And if they do, like a four or five at, uh, I'm going to use our local high schools because most of my audience and listeners are here. A four or five at modern day is not the same as a four or five, let's say, like at Corona Del Mar High School or Newport High School. So what's your whole take and opinion on that? Yeah, uh, again, I, I think totally uncharted waters. Um, I do think it's been a trend. It's interesting to, to, you know, over the years to follow that more and more schools have been going uh, test optional. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think it's great. You know, I mean, if a, if a student wants to submit, they can. If they don't want to, they don't have to. Um, do I think that there are some incredible students out there that just aren't good test takers and, and maybe are disadvantaged in the whole process? Definitely. Uh, so they're, you know, having more more schools out there, uh, colleges that will accept and will look at a student kind of from a holistic view without testing, I think is a great thing. Um, you know, looking at it, and it seems daily here, uh, Fonger, that that colleges are are making announcements coming out and saying we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I think Cornell came out yesterday. I got an email that that Cornell saying uh, we are going to go test optional or, or more test flexible is kind of how they're how they're phrasing yes. where you know students might be able to submit ap scores or an extra essay or uh, maybe they they send more senior year grades that type of stuff um so you know i i do think there's a lot of uncertainty out there uh which uh, as as you well know uncertainty in this business is not always a good thing it doesn't it doesn't calm anyone's nerves um, you know, I, I, I take it back a number of years when the college board changed their format, um, you know, f- their testing format. 
and everyone ran for the hills from the from the SAT there for a year or two, and that was really the you know the emergence of when the ACT kind of took over. Right. Uh, right. You know, in, in terms of uh, market share. So, you know, uncertainty uh, doesn't is, isn't a, a good term for for college guidance and college admissions and, and whatnot. So it, it'll be interesting. I, I, I I'm not quite sure how it's going to go. I mean, I think for for students, first of all, we, we've got a number of boys and I'll just speak from my uh, you know, from my side. Uh, we have a number of boys who've already taken the test, you know, whether they did it uh, late fall, early winter. Uh, that have great scores uh, and and they're kind of locked in. So they're, you know, they're sitting there and they're in, they're in the catbird seat and they're doing okay. We have other kids who, who have not taken it. You know, they were, they were mm-hmm. scheduled to, to take it. We, we offered uh, an ACT in house at Del Barton for our uh, juniors in, um, in February. So uh, a lot of the boys got to take that test, uh, which is great. So they have at least one under their belt. Um, but that might have been the first time that they even sat for a standardized test besides uh, the PSAT or something along those, those lines. So, um, you know, we're, we're fielding this question a ton right now. Um, right. Right. To go, and, and, to go, go ahead. And, sorry. And, and I know since we last talked and we kind of prepped for this, so much has changed and you are consistently busy. You and I are texting back and forth and you're swamped and you're dealing with your parents, you're dealing with your schools, uh, your students. And, and let's talk a little bit about Del Barton. And, you know, you take away uh, COVID-19, your school traditionally, right? I think 30 to 40% of your boys are going to universities such as, now listen to this audience and followers, because all these schools are some of the big names where Southern California wants to go. We have Notre Dame. I think you're the number one feeder in the Notre Dame. You have Georgetown, right? Your brother's alum and all your nephews and nieces. You have Boston College. You have the Eagles. You have Villanova. You have like double digit high school senior boys that are going to those universities. Let's talk about like since you've been a counselor at Del Barton for 14 years, what does it take to get into these schools? Gosh, it's getting tougher and tougher every year. I'll tell you that much. Um, it, it, it takes a special young man. And I say that for young men just because we're a boys school. It, it, it mm-hmm. takes a special, a special applicant. Um, uh, these schools are, are so competitive now. And when you're looking at, uh, you know, two of them, if you, t- if you take a Georgetown and you take a Notre Dame, I don't know. I'm, I'm spitballing the numbers, but I think their acceptance rates are like 14 or 15 percent now. Yep. Um, yep. So y- you need everything, really, when, you, when you're in there. Uh, you need terrific grades. You need uh, a great testing historically. Uh, you need wonderful leadership and, and uh, extracurricular activities and, and whether that's athletics or arts or, or uh, community service or, you know, leadership somehow outside of school, whatever it might be, you, you need something to make you stand out from the, from the masses, because, you know, when they're, when they're getting 25,000 applications, all of the kids are, are rock right. stars. So how does someone separate themselves? Because I know students that had like the four, three, four, four, 33, 34, right. They were athletics, they were uh, ASB, but what would you say advice to a student and a parent something that can really separate yourself to make you stand out not only like it maybe at these top tier schools that you're seeing with your boys but in general sure and it's a it's a, a great question i wish i had the, the magic formula you and i could form a business here and we'd be, we'd be all set <laughs> right but, right uh but but you know what i what i do say and and even 
going back, piggybacking the question you asked about the difference between, uh, you know, a student who has a, a 4.5 at Corona compared to a 4.5 at, at modern day. Um, I, I think the schools historically, the colleges, they know what a four or five means at different schools. Uh, yes. they've, they, they've been they've been getting applications from those schools, whether it's the, the West Coast schools or a school like Del Barton for for decades now. And they they know what what a, a certain GPA means. Um, I, I do think that if a student applies from a school that, you know, rarely sends a, a applications to uh, certain colleges, if they're not jumping off the page academically maybe that's a disservice because they just you know the colleges don't know what context that is but you know when when they're getting multiple apps every year um you know it, that definitely helps to answer your question about what a what a student and applicant can, can do to separate themselves they need to do something special they really do uh you know when when you and i were applying to college it was all about being well-rounded right you want to experience right. this and do that and and uh, you know you can be a, a good student but you don't need to be the best and you can be a good athlete you don't need to be the best etc um today i think not only do you have to be well-rounded but you have to be pointed in 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 certain areas and you have to excel uh in certain spots just because these schools that are and i i had mentioned notre dame and georgetown being in that 14 15 percent when you get down even even more let's get down into the top 10 schools we're talking five and six percent acceptance rate and and they can fill their class probably 10 times over you know the first thousand kids that they're going to accept there's really no no difference between the next you know five thousand after that <laughs> so right right you you need to do something and and whether that is um an amazing essay whether that is distinguishing yourself with with something that you've uh, you know you, you've you've really shown kind of creativity or, or or learned from adversity and kind of you know pulled yourself up from the bootstraps type and and, and created something out of getting knocked down or uh you know doing something that that makes you a valuable asset to that community that you know colleges are trying to fill fill classes not only with the, the brightest minds but with Groups they want different, character. Different, exactly right. Dif different demographics of uh, of kids, and and of course, character is is you know uh, uh, utmost important, right? I mean, that's that's what it's all about, especially when you have every kid who has has relatively similar academic profiles. Sean, I've I've talked to several counselors, had them as guests, and we kind of talk about essays because you're, you're hitting on a fine point and i think my audience and listeners especially during these times how are they going to separate themselves with testing going on um you you read a bunch of phenomenal applications and essays and help boys what what's one that stands out in your mind that might give a little insight of what you're talking about maybe doing something different because it's not about that winning goal or being that winning basket or being the president or or right i always call pay for service oh i went to another country to help somebody well guess what you paid for that like right you know what what is one that stands out in your mind that might be something different that my audience and and, and parents will say you know what aha right yeah I, I and i do I, I mean over the years i can't tell you how many essays i've i've read and and you know the majority of them the kids come to you and they think this is it look at this perfect piece i'm gonna lay on your desk here and and <laughs> and then when you return it back to them and it's just covered in red ink and you, or sometimes you say this is a complete reboot you, you know you can't submit this essay um to, to your point about 
um, scoring the winning goal or being the school president or, or doing, you know, uh, a mission trip outside the country. Those are all wonderful things. And, and, and I don't discount them at all, but uh, these schools read 10,000 of those essays, uh, yep. every single year. And of, of course that experience could change your life and, and could, you know, make you look back and everything and realize how fortunate you are and, and, and how wonderful your life is, but it needs to be more than, than just the cliche of it changed my life. So, you know, a couple that, that probably stand out to me, uh, we had a boy, uh, at, uh, at Del Barton who wrote about his love of bacon. Okay. And okay. It, it doesn't need to be this, you know, brilliant, uh, th- th- this essay where you have to be, show them, you know, how, how smart you are or write about the 10 AP classes you took or whatever it might be. He wrote about his love of bacon. It was a beautifully written essay, which I think is key. Um, it can't, you know, it's just not the topic. These, it, this is really, it, and most schools don't interview. So this is really the one, um, the one chance that a kid has to, you know, can be unique, right? They get a page and a half or whatnot to, to, to show. Right. Uh, right. to show the, the admissions uh, committee who they are, and, and, and that's it, right? Everything else is a number, a GPA number, a testing number, uh, all that. So so this is their chance to be unique. And not only was it a beautifully written essay, it was funny, okay? And, and I don't even mean he wasn't trying to be funny. It was just funny in that what he was writing about and how he was going. And <laughs> every, I mean, the, the kid crushed it in his acceptances. And we were talking to, to counselors, and they started referring to him as the bacon boy. And, and we're like, oh, yeah, we were reading that one. And we got the bacon boy. And so th- that that was one that sticks out. I, I had another boy who wrote about his uh, uh, he starts it out telling a story. And it turns out in the first paragraph, he's you know, he's getting screamed at. And he's in the in the throes of battle here out in the athletic field. And he's a referee for five and under girls use soccer. You know, it's one of those <laughs> things, too. Right. And, and uh, yeah. And, and, you know, the funny thing, uh, Fonger, with with essays and what what kids and sometimes parents don't quite realize You've you've got like a couple of sentences to to hook the reader uh, right. in there. And um, the ugly truth sometimes of of these college admissions folks, especially when they uh, are reading thousands and thousands of, of applications is who knows, maybe you're the 20th file they're reading that night. And, and you know, it's it's 1030 at night and they're exhausted and going through. If you write a, a blah, blah essay, um, you're going to lose them in that first paragraph. So. You know, I always try to tell our guys that whether you're what, no matter what you're writing, you have to almost write a word picture that you're going to you're going to hook them in and, and you need to make sure they read to the end of your essay. It's that elevator pitch, right? Just like in business and in sales. If, 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 I, if someone doesn't capture my attention in 20 seconds, I'm lost. <laughs> right? I mean, I got ADHD. I said, if I'm looking and reading stuff it, that and I think admission directors are the same way. So, yes. Um, let, let's talk about some of these colleges because I want to give my ins, uh, listeners an insight. I've been to some of the top colleges uh, that your boys are getting accepted to. You are a grad, uh, alumni of Georgetown, obviously uh, been on the campus of Notre Dame, probably BC and Villanova. High level because some of people that are listening to the show have never been to those campuses. And I know I have my take, but I want you to go first, like that 10 second, 15 second spill. Why Notre Dame? Why Georgetown? Besides the academics, right? Obviously, we know they're strong in academics, but let's talk about the atmosphere, environment, the campus. What do you like about each of these campuses? 
Yeah, they're they're beautiful. They're they're great spots. All those schools you named, uh, NDG Town, uh, BC, and Nova in particular, all great spots. And uh, of course, I'm I'm a little biased towards Georgetown and uh, being <laughs> being a being a grad. Uh, oh yes, but, but yeah, that's right. But to me, um, it just it just kind of screamed college. Uh, Georgetown, you know, in in the little northwest corner of Washington D.C., it's like this this perfect little college town you know because georgetown's a little separate than than dc itself so you have access to the city of, of washington which is a great great city itself uh but then you have your little neighborhood of georgetown with the cobblestone mm-hmm. streets and the row houses and it's 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 just gorgeous um notre dame is also spectacular i mean the campus itself is one of the most you know it, it, it's got everything and it's it's Growing, I was out there this fall, um, and uh, you know, from the time I applied to school almost 30 years ago to to now, you know, because I looked at Notre Dame when I was in school, it's a it's a totally different place in terms of it's it's grown in size like you've never seen, and and everything there is is unbelievable. They have a massive endowment, uh, Notre Dame, so they're they're lucky enough to you know have top level facilities everywhere, but it's spectacular. Now, the difference between those two, um, you know, and I, I, I put those two uh, up there along with a, a number of these other high end Catholic schools is one being East Coast in the city, one being kind of Midwest in, in South Bend, Indiana. Um, some kids want that more urban environment. Other kids don't. So, um, you know, for me, Georgetown just kind of sang to me and that that, that got me. But, you know, I, I think Boston College is very similar to Georgetown in that it's yes. tough tucked off in the corner so it has its campus outside of boston but still has access to one of the great towns you know in america in in boston so um what what people don't you know really realize and even even our clientele at del barton as well is how many incredible campuses and schools there are out there though you know they they come in focused with this very um finite list of schools and and maybe they don't realize just how many spectacular spots there are out there and I think that's nationwide. I think uh, we talked about this before on my podcast. I'm going to refer to it as uh, again. We call that the sweatshirt brand, right? Mm-hmm. The logo, the Gucci bag. Everybody wants to go to Stanford, USC, UCLA, and they forget about these phenomenal schools. So, um, and, and you have them out there on the East Coast. Why don't you tell me some of the schools that you think? your parents should be looking into are that are great institutions that no one gives a shot because they all want to try to get into these top tier schools or which we call them as the sweatshirt brand schools. Sure. Uh, I, I still would say, you know, being in New Jersey that the, the majority of our kids uh, still stay East coast. Um, do we have kids who go to the Midwest or go down South um, or, or go out West? Definitely. But, you know, out of 140 kids or so that graduate, the majority do stay uh, relatively local, you know, whether it's New England up to Boston, up Maine, whatever, down to the Carolinas, um, et cetera. But um, so, so, you know, you had just mentioned you're West Coast, we're East Coast. Um, I'm always pushing our guys, and, and so are my two partners, always pushing our guys to, to cast the net a little bit wider. Um, right. We joke, we joke that sometimes, you know, all the kids come in with their typical Del Barton schools is what it is. And I okay. understand it. <laughs> I do. I understand that we, we're, we're a Catholic boys school and there's a, there's a lot to like about those four that I named. You know, if we go back to, to the Notre Dame, G-Town, BC and, and Villanova, they're very similar 
to to the education and the experience and kind of the mission statement that Del Barton has. So I I get that 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 resonates with our um, with our families and our our kids and and they just feel comfortable there. But um, there are so many amazing spots. So so I'm always pushing our kids to look out west. My you know as you know my brother lives out there with his family and and what's not to like about about California. Um, so, you know, you can go out there. One of the most beautiful camps I've ever been on is Stanford. And, and, and I think everyone who goes there sees it and says, holy smokes, but Stanford's arguably one of the one of the most, if not the uh, most competitive school in America, you know, to get, right. to, to get into, but there are so many others. Uh, and, uh, you know, we talk Catholic schools. What about Santa Clara? Uh, what about, uh, LMU? What about you, San Diego? Those are, those are spots that, you know, slowly but surely have been coming up on our, our kids' lists and slowly but surely we're sending, you know, kids out there, not not in the numbers that we send up to some of the East Coast Catholic schools. But uh, all it takes is the, those boys coming back, uh, you know, to speak to, to the current students and saying, I'm a student at Santa Clara and my experience is amazing, and, you know, and come on out for a visit and check it out. So, um, you know, that, w- that would be something. I, I do wish our kids would and our parents uh i do wish that they would maybe look at it through uh a lens of of not quite what the ranking of the school is or uh where did all the boys from the last two del Arton classes go but really what's the best fit for my kid you hit it right on the dot the best fit for your kid because the thing i struggle with when i talk to students and parents and they bring up you know, that name recognition school at the end of the day, it's not the parent going to school, right? Mm -hmm. It's their child. So you have, obviously your, your boys are getting accepted to the phenomenal schools. And you mentioned we, you know, and by the way, Santa Clara, we got to give the Broncos props. I have two people on my podcast that have uh, one graduated from Santa Clara, one that's a current student. And I know they're just booming in numbers and people have actually reached out to me and said, Michael, I love your Santa Clara podcast. And I'm not just doing this because yeah, you're right. You got two of your nephews going there and I actually sent them that podcast and I gave them props. That is a, uh, that's a, beautiful campus it's small sure. to me personally it's too small for me and my daughter went there she's like no nah, daddy it's not for me so going back to there's a right fit for everybody when your kids are getting accepted and they're like mr flanagan where should i go or you know what are you how are you directing them what advice would you give that student and what advice would you give that parent yeah it's it's a great question and and i just i literally had it three days ago i had a boy and and we were on uh we were on a a google meet you know virtual uh because the the parents had reached out to me and we're coming up on may 1st here and we're really torn as to what's going on and and uh you know my my son's been accepted to uh, three great schools and he's kind of narrowed it down to these two and, and we think he's leaning one way and they weren't even telling me which which school it was but we just want you to talk to him and and can okay. you can you have a chat so i i gave him a call and we had we had a a wonderful talk and i just let him go you know i just said what you know, what what are you what are you knocking around uh what are the pros and cons what are you thinking and his hesitation was that he was going to pick a school that kind of in the in the optics point in the profile um maybe that wasn't ranked as high as the other one. And, and I, you know, I tried to throw that right out the window and reassure them that that means zero and that we've had students go to both schools and students have loved it at both. Uh, and I think when we got done with that conversation, he, he took a deep breath and said, 
wow, okay, I, I needed to hear that because all along I wanted to go to this school, which was not the higher ranked spot. Uh, and, and when I say higher ranked, I'm going to even say significantly not, uh, you know, n- n- definitely not. And he wanted that, but he was worried that, oh, gosh, am I making a mistake just because of, of the perceived uh, choice? Are people going to look at me and say, you're, you're crazy? How could you turn down that school to go to this school? But it was it was the right spot. It is the right spot for him. And, and I'm, I'm completely convinced he, he's made the right decision. And I guarantee, you know, God willing, if he comes back for, for homecoming this year in, in October or November, uh, he's going to have a huge smile on his face and say, I'm at the perfect school. There's a right there's a right fit for everybody. And I think people need to realize, let your child pick, right? I mean, that's the first thing, but they're looking at rankings and numbers. Do they realize at the end of the day, I tell people, you go to college, you start something, you finish something. It's that atmosphere, the experience. And then more importantly, you and I talked about this. It's all about the connections and networking because I want to talk about, and I don't know if your parents and students talk about this, but how often do you bring up that specific topic of look at the alumni network let's see where you're going to get a job east coast you're going to work in a city right are you going to be out there in no man's land because i did have matter of fact you'll like this story one of our um one of my guests uh she did not get into georgetown but she got into notre dame she loves notre dame um and i i we're talking about the same thing is okay where are you going to work after there right you got your alumni network do you want to be in the city like chicago does that play a part in some of the decisions it, it does. And, and I mean, Notre Dame's got one of the best alumni networks out there. So she's, uh, she's going to be in good hands. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, but, uh, no, it, it does. And I think more maybe from a parental standpoint, you know, I think the parents might realize that a little bit more and, and, and maybe try to steer their kid or that's why they want their kid to go to that school in the first place. But, um, you know, I, everything. And, and I, I try to tell, uh, sometimes it falls on deaf ears, but I try to tell our, our students and clientele that, first of all, you can get a phenomenal education anywhere at, at any school. It doesn't matter if it's a if it's a community college, if it's a, a, a local, you know, if it's a state school, if it's a huge university, a small or large school. It's really kind of what you're what you're willing to put into it um, in terms of education. So I think that's key. And and you can go to the best schools. You could go to a Harvard and and you could, you know, because of your own choosing, you could get a poor education. Right. If you don't if you don't put yourself it's what into you it, put into it, a hundred percent. And, and right? just just because you have a diploma that says Harvard, sure, that that might open some doors. But at some point and, and you and I know this, too, at some point, the college you went to um, it barely even factors into the into the <laughs> conversation. OK. And, and, you know, it might get you an interview here or there. But then you're on your own. And, and absolutely. You know, if, if you're a knucklehead that, that graduated from Harvard uh, or if you're a you know, a, a rock star that graduated from your local community college and you're really setting the world on fire. Um, I think I think people who are doing hiring in business can see right through that very quickly. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's interesting uh, when you do peel the onion and, and you start looking at reasons for for people choosing different schools. But, um, you know, I, I, I strongly believe that there are just there are tons of options out there for uh, for kids nowadays. There are. Speaking of knuckleheads, I mean, Flint, I I went to Long Beach State. I chose it because that was my only college that was going to allow me to be a student manager, hence right. the student manager podcast, of a basketball team that actually paid half my scholarship. So I, hopefully I, I'm not a fool because I'm like, this is the only school that's going to help me 
pay for my tuition, right? Because I couldn't, couldn't afford it. I, right. I wasn't smart enough to get into like the UCs. And now I'm very happy because I look back at it and I tell everybody, look, I went to a state school. It's at the end of the day, it's a matter of what you do with your degree. So Completely. audience, listeners, listen out there. All right. I want to talk a little bit about, because you've seen it, you've been a college counselor for 14 years. You have a lot of contacts. I have my contacts that I'm reaching out to consistently uh, talking about the financial impact to colleges and and specifically this class, right? You know, um, you have nieces and nephews that are class of 20. You have a daughter that's a class of 20. In terms of colleges, we don't know what's going to happen next year, but I mean, we can go anywhere in a direction. We can talk about more col- more students going to a community college, students going to a, taking a gap year. Um, what are you hearing from your students? Maybe not necessarily at Del Barton, but you know, some other peers. Are you hearing about more community college or gap years? Yeah, I, I think I take it back to that whole uncertainty piece that's going on right now. So you know, normally we're we're coming into the last week in April. This is a um, a, a transitional time where deposits are due May 1st at all these schools. And if there's going to be waitlist movement, what's going to happen? It happens, you know, a lot of the time this week, next week, in the first couple of weeks of May, um, a number of schools have pushed that date back, uh, you know, to give, to give kids uh, more options and more choice here because so many, so many uh, students don't have the ability to travel, but uh, the financial piece is, is massive. Now it's massive and it, it has to factor into uh, to a decision. Okay. And, and I say that even that you, I could give you a scenario where we've had, we've had kids who are accepted at unbelievable top 20 schools and they are now going to take out, you know, 50 to $60,000 a year in loans type thing to go to that school. And you've had a, you know, the exact same boy who's been accepted at, uh, schools a little further down the food chain uh, with a full ride or into the honors college or, you know, with a special uh, a special uh, scholarship, whatever it might be. And they're looking at me saying, gosh, this is a really hard decision. And in my head, I'm thinking you're crazy if you if you go that route. You know, you're crazy if you go the route of of the higher end school where you're going to take out uh six figures in, in loans by the time you graduate and and, you know, go to this special program that that might not have the the bumper sticker appeal on the on the back of the car, you know, as much. But you can be you can be a standout there. You can be one of the top kids in your class. You can you know parlay that into uh, a graduate school maybe at, at this other college that you wanted to go to. So uh, you know today's day and age with the prices and and the education inflation that just keeps jumping year after year after year is I, I don't know when it's going to hit that ceiling. Um, but it, it, it has to factor in. So, you know, with, with the class now, I mean, we have, we have boys who are appealing financial aid packages now at, at schools, um, haven't really found out how that's all going to go. I'm sure the schools are being inundated. The colleges are being inundated with these re- requests, right? So the kids knew what they were going to get. They thought they had their budget all, all dialed in and then everything went kaput. And, you know, you can look at, uh, what, what enrollment's going to be like next year? Are they going to lose? Are they going to have a melt off of current students? Are you know did their endowment lose uh, you know twenty percent in the last three months? So all that stuff uh, really really factors in. So I, I mean I think the financial piece has been huge, but maybe in today's day and age even more so. Yeah, I, I we've talked about this, and you look at enrollments down even before uh, COVID hit in the last right. eight or nine years. College enrollments are down. And and 
I think they, they just took a survey uh, in March of high school students, and they're saying two out of three high school seniors are thinking of changing their number one college choice because of financial reasons and closer to home. I know right. I've talked to a lot of Julia's friends, right? Julia at Modern Day, um, and a lot of the and talked to a lot of principals around this local area. And I'm trying to get some more guests on my podcast, but they're making decisions about their college because of financial reasons as well as staying closer to home. No, I I, I got a call last night from a, a current father um, mm-hmm. whose whose son has been accepted at USC. I mean, USC's a hot okay. one out there right now. So I mean, great option and so excited. And and now they're having uh, second thoughts, right? Is he going to fly five you know uh, five hours across the country? And, uh, and we're just not sure about what's going on. So now they're looking, you know, kind of knocking around pros and cons of some of the other schools he's been accepted at. Also great spots. Uh, but you know, when he, when he first got his acceptance at USC, it was uh, doing, doing backflips and now maybe they're, they're having second second thoughts. thoughts. Yes. And, and I think it's completely related to what's going on in the last couple of months. Um, if this, if this wasn't happening, I think they would have already sent their deposit in and he'd be, he'd be a Trojan. So, um, that's, that's interesting. You know, we haven't had too many of our, we're lucky that we haven't had too many of our kids who are coming back to us saying, um, this changes everything. I, I don't know if I can afford to go to school next year. Uh, but we do. I mean, my, my daughter, who's a freshman in college now, one of her friends decided kind of last second, she was going to school and decided I'm going to go to community school here and I'm going to do, you know, maybe two years of that, live at home, uh, with my, with my folks, save some money, work a job, and then look to, look to transfer into the last two years. I, I think that that, that route is going to become, uh, more and more popular. And I, and I actually think it should, and, and not, not even strictly community school, but maybe go into a local school, uh, where you, where you're not, not paying the huge fees. And then you, you're really, um, you really get a strong resume going and you have an opportunity to transfer in. I, I tell my audience this all the time. I mean, we have phenomenal community colleges and I, and I didn't tee this up, Sean, because the next two topics I want to talk about as we wrap up, one of them is being community college. Uh, we have Orange Coast College out here, Irvine Valley College, Golden West. I'm sure there's County College of Morris out where you are, some other great community colleges. Tell my audience and listeners that as a counselor, you've seen it 14 years, that why would you pay 50000 to go take a math class when you can go take the same math class for $5,000 and you still don't even know where you want to go to. Or, for example, in the California system, two years at a, a community college directly feeds into the UC system. So true. I mean, I, I, I think maybe that there's a stigma around it and, and kids and parents think, oh, gosh, I can't do that. I won't do that. But I, I think that's that's changing. And, and I wouldn't even say slowly changing. I think it's probably changing pretty rapidly. Very uh, fast now. Yes. And, and for the better. Now, um, I, I do think, sadly, there's going to be some casualties. I mean, we've got how many thousands of schools in America? Um, you, you hit the nail on the head with the declining enrollments. Um, who knows how this is all going to shake out with a bunch of these schools, um, you know, schools who, who are really budgeting to a break even point every single year. And, and they can't they can't afford a, a, a hit like this or they can't afford if for whatever reason, I sure hope it doesn't go this way. But if you turn on your TV, they're going to tell you the sky's falling and colleges aren't going back for five years type thing nowadays. But um, what if kids don't go back in the fall? I, I just don't know how a lot of those um, a lot of those struggling private schools that are out there, colleges, 
can can handle it. But uh, I'm I'm all for that option. I think it's a it's a wonderful deal. Kids want to talk about uh, having a diploma. So you do two years at you know you save a fortune and and you transfer into a your high end kind of name school that you always wanted to go to and you do two years there. You get your same uh, you know you get a great education. You get that social component that maybe you were missing out on if you were living at home and and going to going to uh, community college, which I do think is a big part of of college still. Um, or at least the college experience. And then you have your diploma from that, from that school at, at half cost. Um, right. You know, I, I think if for people out there who do not have um, the financial backing all set, uh, I, I think that that's an avenue that should be looked at uh, thoroughly. And I'm going to tee it up because next week, my next guest is going to be Efren Galvin. He's the director of admissions, a good friend of mine from Orange Coast College. And he's been so busy pushing back his uh, scheduled podcast because it's picking up at his college and it's really um, impacting them and, uh, on the positive side. I can you know, imagine. T- talking about impact to all these universities not surviving. And I look at private colleges, maybe 100 million annual revenues or less are going to struggle. Maybe public schools, 200 million annual revenues going to struggle. You might know this. I might be the first one telling you this because at night, obviously, I do all my prepping. I, I follow a lot of university business uh, articles and institutions and publications. Check out some of these numbers, Sean. Uh, and I, I didn't know if I was going to have time to get to this. University of Arizona, okay, $66 million of loss, all right? University of Tennessee, um, all right, let me go, Kentucky. Uh, University of Kentucky uh, is down $70 million shortfall. University of Missouri, $17 million shortfall. One of the top other institutions that we didn't talk about, I visited this uh, campus, been actually to the big house in Ann Arbor, Michigan, $1 billion. Mm. at the end of the year and i and you're looking i'm going to go back to arizona because a lot of my listeners have kids that go there they're they're laying off salary cuts to high employees they're furloughing um anybody that makes forty four thousand dollars or less for 13 days from mid-may to the end of june okay that's forty four thousand dollars or less if you make 75 to one hundred fifty thousand dollars, you're going to be furloughed for 39 days and if you make between one hundred fifty thousand to two hundred thousand, your salary is reduced seventeen percent. This is at the University of Arizona. The president, Jim Robbins, states that losses could be exceeding two hundred fifty million. Wow! Yeah, those are sobering numbers. Yeah, for sure, for sure, and, devastating. And then, right. And then you have schools. I love this. I've never been there. I've always wanted to check out this campus. Have you ever been to Steph Curry's alma mater, Davidson? My uh, my cousin was uh, was the basketball captain at Davidson. Beautiful spot. Uh, and my friend went there. Uh, I've never been there. But they're offering tuition deferred to August 2021. Awesome. For incoming freshmen. By the way, good. That's, that's a brilliant move. I mean, phenomenal school, first of all. Academically, yes. it's, it's, it's one of the best out there. And it's a beautiful campus, North Carolina. Is, it's yeah, really, really neat spot. So good. I, I think schools are going to have to get creative that way, uh, you know, to, to get people. The, the one thing that I think will be interesting, 
And uh, my wife kind of made a joke about about online uh, schools before this all blew up. So let's take it back, uh, you know, okay. four, four months. And she said, oh, you know, in X amount of years, there's not going to be campuses. It's all going to be online. And I kind of look at her across <laughs> the table. They go, oh, yeah, whatever. And now, you know, we're sitting at home with all our kids uh, doing the distance learning online and, and talking about college. And she's kind of, you know, with a wry smile on nodding her head. But the interesting thing about this, and, and, and I don't like um, – I don't like the hysteria that's created in the media. I really don't. I don't. I don't think it does any good um, with any of it, and and in particular with education. These kids are are under enough strain and, and stress right now to begin with. They don't need to to worry in April. Oh my gosh, is is school going to be open in late July and late August? Whatever. Let's let's kind of see how it all all pans out. But the interesting thing with this online piece is, even though it hasn't been the smoothest for everyone. Um, we were kind of thrust into this year, right? It, it's not right. like we pre- prepared for online learning. It's like, okay, you have uh, two weeks and everyone's online. So professors, you know, ha- have tried to tailor their, their courses and kids have tried to do it in schools, et cetera. Now that we have, you know, arguably however many months when this is over, kind of going into the fall, if it does end up going online, I think the product that's going to come out is going to be a whole lot better um, than, than what people kind of assume online learning is. And maybe that is, you know, maybe that is a, a real avenue in the future that, that, uh, right. you know, a lot, a lot more kids do. And, you know, we were talking about the community college route, maybe the online route for a couple of years is something. And then, and then you look to, to go to more of a traditional, um, uh, traditional school for the last two years or so, but I'm going to wrap it up. Yeah. With- one topic because we have a lot of followers and listeners that actually have been accepted and attend the college of Charleston. Actually, Julia got accepted there and I said, Julie, let's just go there and visit because I've been there on that campus once and I love it there because of the food, but obviously you're a parent (laughs) there. So I'm going to take the college counselor out of this. Molly's a freshman there. Let's sell my audience and followers on the College of Charleston. What attracted her to Charleston? And then as a parent, like, what did you like? What did you not like? Yeah, good question. What What's not to like down there? But for Molly, um, it, it was interesting after, you know, wearing this hat as a college counselor and, and sitting on my side of the desk and meeting with students and, and kids for our oldest to come along uh, two years ago when she was a junior and to start the process. That It was interesting uh, being on the parent side of it. Uh, and I know you went through it the same with, with your kids. Uh, and, and now our son's a, a junior, a current junior finishing his junior year. And so we're going through it all with him. But um for Molly, we looked at a bunch of schools and it was a great, ex, you know, a great experience for me because I, I go around visiting these schools anyway. You know, if, if I'm going somewhere, whether we're on vacation or whether I'm driving somewhere and there's a school, if I haven't seen it in a while or I've never seen it, I always try to swing by and do a tour and all that stuff. So um, I just you know, let her decide where she wanted to look and, and map out a plan. And, and I just tagged along and it was great. Um, what happened with Molly is she decided as we kind of looked at a bunch of schools here in the Northeast that she wanted something a little warmer. And uh, all of a sudden California popped in and we said, great. And we flew out and we saw uh, Joe and the cousins out there and, and looked at a bunch of different schools, a uh, number of the ones that I named before, and she loved them. But then when we got back, she started thinking, I, I, Molly's a little bit uh, of a homebody and, and thinking, I don't know if I want to be that far. 
Uh, and so we looked at a couple others. And when we landed in Charleston, uh, we went down for a visit. It was kind of, you know, it was one of those things that, that you know uh, well through your job, too. When a kid steps on a campus that really sings to them, it's, it's amazing. You know, it just kind of feels like home. And, and you know. Right. And the, the city of Charleston is is awesome for your for your West Coast listeners there. If you haven't had the opportunity to get east and and see Charleston, South Carolina, I think it's my it's my favorite city uh, in America. I really do. I just it's it's this old, beautiful town again, cobblestone streets and, and great, just just spectacular views right on the water. It, it's uh, it's, you know, access to beaches there. It really has everything going. Um, the food component that you that you hit, I think, <laughs> may, may, maybe besides New York, it might be the food capital of, uh, of America now. With, they've got so many incredible restaurants. They're every other one. But uh, the campus there is spectacular. I mean, it's it's smack dab in the heart of the city, but it's a walking city. You can get go around everywhere. And uh, she just loved it. It really she, you know, she she loved the location. She loved the, the, that Charleston was a city, but not a huge city. Um, it, it, it really is one of those kind of eye popping campuses. And, and Miles is a foodie as well. And so that really appealed to her. Uh, and as a parent, um, it's great. You know, it's it's an hour from New Jersey. It's about an hour and 10 minute flight down there. Um, so fun for my wife and I to, to visit, right. When we get to go down for a, for a parent's weekend or just a random weekend, it's like a little mini vacation for us too. So, uh, it's kind of ticked all the boxes. She's, she's very happy at school there. And, uh, I can't, I can't sing college of Charleston's praises anymore. So I hope, uh, I hope a bunch of your listeners give it a shot. You sold it. I don't even need to sell it anymore, but I love Charleston. I love the South and you did a great job. Uh, not only talking about College of Charleston, but this entire episode, I, I run a little bit longer, but when it's intriguing and when it's good information, because I actually had some parents text me and they said, I'm not during our podcast, but they said, hey, will you ask this question? Will you ask this question? Because I always talk about what I'm going to do and who I'm going to have on. And if I was a listener, I want to take away two or three things. And you gave some good comments, good feedback, not only just because of COVID, but, you know, um, COVID, but, but what to do, you know, as, as you're a senior looking out there, we could go on, we could talk a lot more. Maybe we'll have you on in the future because we didn't really talk about what sophomores should be doing or what juniors should be doing. Cause I do prep people for that, but as right. things settle down, um, would love to have you back on. Uh, we could just catch up. I mean, gosh, normally when I'm seeing you, we're drinking, we're talking college <laughs> basketball. We can't even do that. Now. that that sounds good too, but you know what? What I'll just wrapping up here, Fonger. First of all, thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure, and, and keep up the good work out there. So my uh, my mentor at at uh, Del Barton when I started was a uh, was a Catholic priest uh, by the name of Abbot Giles, Father Giles Hayes, and uh, just an incredible man. And the advice he used to give uh, sits with me, and I, I still use it with our with our kids and our parents. In that, I know this is a, a crazy process, and it, it, a lot of uncertainty going on when you're going through it. But he used to say, "All will end well," and and I, I think it's such strong and poignant advice that you know, even if you don't get into your dream school or you don't get into that place that you've, you know, you've worn the sweatshirt for years and years and years, you're going to ship off to a college no matter where it is or, or what it is or what it's called or what it's ranked. And you're going to have an incredible experience. And, and, you know, college doesn't define who you are, but the advice that all will end well, uh, I, I, I think is, uh, is, is really good stuff. Good advice. We're going to finish on that. You've been listening to Sean Flanagan, college counselor, 
at Del Barton School, been there for 20 years. I, I do have to just throw a jab because Del Barton's <laughs> number two, okay, for those listeners, modern day's 195. That just tells you how educated the toughness, academic rigor Del Barton is. I'm just not going to pull any guests onto this podcast. So, Sean, thank you for joining episode number 36. I greatly appreciate it. I want to thank our executive, Chris, running things remote from his house, former bass player of Sugar Ray. Sean, you know Sugar Ray, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> and then our course, our corporate sponsor, Sessions Meet, ask for Ryan, and then go to Trenta Pizza in Kachina next time you're in town. Um, uh, Flan, we'll get you out there. We'll drink some beers and we'll eat. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Great being with you, pal. Take care. All right. Thank you for that. Student manager, Bonger News is out.